Welcome to Behind the DM Screen. It is December of 2021. We we missed a month in there. Uh, we are three DMs talking about our games and helping each other out. I am Jeff Greiner. With us, as always, as usual, is uh, uh, Mike Shea. Say hi, Mike Shea. Hello. Hey, Mike Shea. Wait. And Sam Dillon. Say hi, Sam Dillon. Hello. And that's all the intro you get. I am going to put 15 minutes on the clock. And Mike... You can tell, tell us about your game first. Wow. Uh, so I am running two Rime of the Frost Maiden games. Uh, I'm going to talk about my Wednesday game because my Sunday game I talk about in my talk show. And a lot has happened uh, since the last time that we talked, I think. Uh, I don't even remember where we ended uh, last time. So I'll just go back until we hear, oh, yeah, we did that part. But I, I, also I will don't, say... I, I kind of vaguely recall you talking about the, the Shardalon dragon attacking. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, So this group actually went to the Duergar Duergar stronghold, Mm -hmm. crawled through it, faced the Duergar, faced the king, uh, killed killed the king, and then ran back. Valen Harpel uh, showed up and said, I have things that can help you and I'll help you right now. If you help me out later, I'll help you right now by getting you to 10 towns so you can stop the dragon. They raced to 10 towns. They managed, they got there. I didn't use the whole crazy timing stuff because I knew it was a mess. Uh, and I said, instead, I'll just decide which towns got destroyed on the way. And I decided that Durgan's Hole made sense and that Goodmead was under attack and that it was, yeah, like I think it was already in Goodmead. So but they, when they got there, it was fighting, it was, it was already destroying parts of the Goodmead. They faced it, they defeated it, and everything was happy. They had some downtime then thought about where they're going to go next. They talked to Valin Harple. Uh, she told them about her, uh, uh, you know, her, her kind of, you know, uh, guildmate avarice. Uh, they had met avarice before too, another member of the arcane brotherhood and heard that avarice is very interested in what's going on in, uh, in, in Yethrin in the, in the lost city, the lost Nethery city beneath the ice. The, one of the major changes that I made. So, uh, they, Oh, I'm sorry. They went and stopped the dragon before going to Grimskull. My other group skipped the dragon and then went to Grimskull, and then when they came back, the town was on fire, so I get confused. So th- instead, they went, they, they, they went back. They said, okay, let's go to Grimskull. We know, we know that there's two things we need to, to stop the Endless Night. We need the Codicil of the White, which has the, the spell that, uh, that uh, uh, Oral is, has used to create the Endless Night. And we need to disrupt the power that is fueling the spell to keep the Endless Night in place. The spell is contained in the Codicil of the White inside Grimskull on Solstice Island. And the power is coming from a, an elder evil named Thrun, which is, uh, in, which is encased in a sarcophagus down beneath the ruined city of Yethrin. And there's a crack in the sarcophagus, and that's where the energy is coming from that Aura was able to tap into to create the spell. So that way I tied the Endless Knight to both locations. Instead of, as written, you can kill a rock and stop the Endless Knight. Uh, and I don't even know why you need the Codicil, but I don't know that you do. And, and then and Yethrin has nothing to do with anything else, right? So instead of that, I wanted to tie it all together so that you could, you could 
connect everything together and, and that worked out really nicely. I replaced when they went to Grimskull, uh, something that worked very well for me there is that I replaced the trials with very specific tests of the characters that Oral would give them and that that sort of Grimskull would give them as though they were going to become uh, druid uh, um, dr- anointed druids of Oral. So any character that would travel to Grimskull, any like pretend you're a frost druid and you wanted to truly give yourself over to Oral the Frost Maiden, you would go here and you would be tested. And all of the tests were essentially everything that you loved, you have to get rid of, right? Whoever you loved, whatever you loved, you have to, you know, you have to rid yourself of it, right? And they would all be individualized tests. When my Sunday group ran through it, they understood the nature of the tests and realized, like, if they want to pass these tests, they're going to have to do these horrible things. And it was like killing their parents or, uh, you know, abandoning their their the village that they've been protecting this whole time uh, or giving up their home, giving up their their royal name that they've had their whole life. Like all of these things that they'd have to give up because that's the, what the tests are giving up. And then they each had like a theme that was based on those four things like preservation and isolation and whatever. Uh, my Wednesday group took the opportunity to essentially give the finger to Oral every time. <laughs> so they were tested. And instead of going through with the test, they were just, you know, like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to I'm not going to give myself into this. I am stronger than this. And it was really interesting. But I totally was unprepared for them to not accomplish the tests. Mm-hmm. And one of them did choose a path. Uh, that enabled them to pass the tests. But it, and it was only afterwards when I said, like, obviously what makes sense is if they fail the test, Oral shows up, right? And then they have to fight Oral. Um, and I, I, you know, could have done that anyway. So that would have made a lot more sense. And that's now what I would, you know, if, if people follow that path of the individual test, which I think I really liked. I did do it for two groups and I liked it for both groups. Uh, then I would say if they fail, then Oral shows up, right? Uh, in my case, Oral shows up either way. Like either you get in, and she, the 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 crystalline heart form of Oral is protecting the codicil of the white, uh, or not, right? Or 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 it's you know the, the the crystal shows up, or it could be any Oral. It could be the full Oral, the full three phase Oral could show mm-hmm. up if you want. But anyway, they got the codicil. They went back. They did their last downtime in Ten Towns, and then they headed to Yethrin. Uh, they went to the Caves of Hunger. Uh, they faced Teklili the Vampire. Uh, I also had to completely rewrite Teklili because his stat block isn't any better than the stat block of the, uh, the the dragon. Again, like level seven characters fighting a non-legendary vampire, that vampire is going to disappear in one spell casting. Mm. So, you know, why would you have a non-legendary vampire? And then like in the book, it's like, oh, there's all these things you can do to make Teklili like hit and run. And you're like, not if you're banished. Right. Not if you not if you lose <laughs> on a hypnotic pattern on casting one. So so they um so I turned him I used a regular vampire stat block, uh, but then added some uh, uh added some some features from the Tech Lili stat block to make it really for the vampire null stat block. And that worked really well. Uh really hard too. I added a lot of necrotic damage and my wife got critically bit by a uh necrotic bite for eight what was it, eight D snow. 12d6 necrotic damage that lowers your hit point total by that amount mm. and so she, she said i have good news i'm at i'm at 100 percent of my hit points and so what's that 12 <laughs> so she was in she was in a bad way mm. um so they they defeated tech Lee. they went through the caves of hunger that was a lot of fun uh they defeated tech Lee. that was fun they made their way into yethrin and now they just started their trek into yethrin 
Uh, I've also uh, been been changing Yethrin up uh, by I've been changing Yethrin up because I don't I never understood like you have to do and, and Sam can probably clear my clear me up on this. There's like eight things you have to do in order to get into the central spire. Yes. They're all things that you could just do. You don't actually have to cast any spells or stuff. You could just light a leaf on fire yep. or blow blow on it, right? And so my understanding is, let me understand. So uh, you have the Netherese Archmages are protecting this spire from entry from people that they don't want to be able to get into it. And rather than having a lock on the door with like a nice big key or you know, some kind of protection that says only the eight of us can get in here and no one else. Mm-hmm. They put like a Sudoku puzzle on the front door. Correct. That's, that's easy enough that somebody could walk around and read stuff in their, in their tower well, and then go in. Yes. Except that each of the towers is protected by the, sure. the, 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 whatever they're called, the, the high mage of each school of magic in that tower, you know, except of course they weren't planning on the entire city falling into ruin. And at that point, right. at that point, I, I think their attitude is but like, it's still the cares? equivalent of them. It's still the equivalent of them writing their password on a sticky note and putting it underneath their keyboard. Right. Oh, it's even worse. Cause it's literally like on the wall, real big. Li- yeah. Most right. of the time. It, yeah. That's <laughs> exactly right. So I'm like, okay, that's dumb. Right. Like that's obviously just a puzzle for puzzle sake. Well, right. There's, no, it, it makes that, no that, that is that is classic no that is classic D D. That is that is standard fare for, for RPGs. Yes, absolutely. Well, think of it this way. It it is number one, it's classic D D, but secondly, they couldn't put a puzzle or a locking mechanism that a real eighteenth level Netherese Archmage. The Netherese or Wizards of the Coast? I was saying Wizards of the Coast, right? They can't write that with what a real 18th level... Let me finish before you... I'm not saying anything. (laughs) I'm allowed to make eye movements. You can't control my eye movements. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. If it was really an 18th level Netherese wizard with a 21 intelligence creating a puzzle or some kind of a cipher to test his students or whatever, or to secure his location, your human players on earth in 2021 would never, ever solve it. Right. Because it's, that's not defeat. solvable for us based on what right. an intelligence of 21 with Netherese ma- magic right. wizard powers could do, right. right? So instead, Wizards of the Coast writes something and D&D puts something in there that makes it as you say, the equivalent of a Sudoku puzzle on the wall so that your players and PCs can solve it. Sure. Um, yeah. That's the just, game part just, of d Just like, right? well, we... we there we, doesn't we, have to be a story reason for every single thing because it's a game. Do better. Right? We could do better. So let me tell you what I did, and you can tell me if it's better or worse. I'm not stumping for saying it's perfect. What, what you're asking is, why is it that way? And I'm telling you one of the reasons why it's that way. So I'll give you an example where they did, they did something that I did like that works that way, which is they put that idea that if you hang out there for like longer than 24 hours, you turn into a Nothic. Right. And the, no, the no, no. Thing- if you hang out for more than 24 hours, you have to make a save. And if you fail the save, you catch, catch this like disease that it may eventually over the course of lots of time turn you into an Othic. Yeah, but it's it's bad enough that you don't want it to happen. Yeah, you don't want it to happen. But the actual risk of turning into an Othic is pretty slim. Was it? Yeah. So well, I, I kind of like that because it at least gave some urgency. It's yes. clearly another thing put in there. 
that is intended to make sure you can't rest every every battle. Yes. Right. And that's handy for a place like that. But it also makes sense in the story because it's like this place was this powerful arcane city. It's crashed. There's now like arcane radiation leading out yes. of it, and it's going to dick you up. I'm like that. That to me was well, a, and it explains a, why there's Nothics running all over the place. And it explains why, yeah, well, you know, we have Nothics that are running all over the place too. That's a nice gamey thing to do that has a good story reason for it. But anyway, <laughs> let me tell you what I replaced it with. So in mine, I said, okay, there's a central spire in my game. The reason you need to get into Central Spire is because it's sort of the sh- elevator shaft that can take you down to the chamber that is holding the sarcophagus of Thrun, which they have to fix. But it, th- and that was the source of their greatest power in the city. It had both a Mythalar that could channel the energy of Thrun, and it had Thrun themselves in this chamber. And they certainly didn't want people to be able to get in there, but they needed to get in there. So each of the each, but not only did they need to get in there, they didn't trust any one of them to be able to go in there on their own because the wizards were inherently pretty paranoid. So the system they came up with was, it takes three of us to be able to get into that central spire, right? Three of us have to be there in order to get into it. And each of us has magic items that we're carrying that act as a key, right? So one of them has bracers, one of them might have a staff, one of them has a circlet or whatever, ion stone. They have some device that they care about that is always on their person that they use. And those three items have to be together at the same time to be able to get in, i.e. their keys, right? So right. it's got, it's, it's, a, it's a locked door. It requires keys to get in, but one key won't do it because they didn't trust one another, mm-hmm. right? So now I've got a system so that the characters can go collect keys. They can actually fight with Avarice, who's also collecting keys. And my, my Sunday group did something really, really interesting, which was, why do we need to collect keys at all? Let's just go find Avarice and kill her and get her keys. And I was like, holy shit, that's really neat, right? So uh, my, my other group, I don't think, has thought of that yet. And I kind of don't want them to because I want them to hunt some keys. Um, but that one made more sense to me. Well, Does that he, make more sense to here's you guys? The, here's the thing. That makes more sense. Or we could s- blow on a leaf. No, no, no. So he, that makes more sense. But the riddle puzzle thing was super fun and my players enjoyed the hell out of it. So I don't care. I, I, my, my way was better. Because <laughs> they had more fun. So... <laughs> Right. Yeah, I mean, it's right. So I guess that that kind of stuff sticks in my craw these days, right? Like that that the idea of like, you know, again, like, oh, we got a super powerful wizard who's going to lock up his most valuable item through the equivalent of like a, you know, a three gauge combination lock that a level four rogue can get into. Right. Like, I get it. And like you play, you know, this is why I stopped playing God of War. I was like, wait a minute. I'm playing God of War and here I am a God and I have to push boxes around in order to jump up onto a certain platform. <laughs> right. It's like, I'm freaking God of War. Like you think there's some other way for me to do this and shove a box around. Right. So I get it. I know why puzzles exist, but I think it's far more interesting when the puzzle makes sense in the context of the story instead of let's put a puzzle in that, you know, this... why, why is it this way? Because level seven characters have to be able to do no, it. No, Cause this... this adventure, this adventure is filled with that. Right? Why? Well, well, that, well we got to have Oral. Well, why isn't Oral CR thirty? Well, well right. She's got to be defeated that, by level. That, that I can't speak to because my oh. players were like level fifteen when they got to Yithrin, and I only yeah. played Yithrin. I didn't play the rest of the adventure. Uh, that's. I mean, well, the, could do the thing Sam was talking. The 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 pieces of the riddle that stuck in each tower made enough sense to me because none of the you know you got you got there has to be enough cooperation that you get access to all of them. The wizards were. 
if all the wizards are dead, the Netherese don't care how, if it's easy to to solve the puzzle or find the pieces because they're dead now. Who cares if you can figure out how to get in? Um, right. You know, uh, and, and some of those were actually like there, there's the one uh, that's not actually even there. You have to go into the, right. the extra dimensional space in the Hag Hut, uh, and there's the one that um, is covered by an illusion. But if you don't realize, how did it, how did it get in the Hag Hut? Because that's where they put it. There's like a little. So the Netherese put it there, so yeah, they've the been there all that time. Okay, yeah. got it. Uh, and and then there's the one with the, in the Tower of Illusion where it's actually the, you, they find the inscription just like all the others, and like, oh well, that's the inscription, ready to leave, right? But it's the Tower of Illusion, so of course there's an illusion on top of it, that, and there's no hints. It's very old school D and D. Uh, like right, there's just no hints at all that you actually didn't get the inscription. <laughs> it's actually an illusionary. So what happened? Did they did they get all the way to the door and my, realize it didn't work and have to no, go all the way back to the? No, no. Again? So so um, the way the way it's it's written, the it's actually the one hint they get is that when they leave, if they've got the wrong one, there's like this this uh, mocking laughter, <laughs> you know, I fooled you, sort of thing, right? But that ultimately didn't matter. My <laughs> players got the inscription, said, "Okay, we've got it, let's go." Started walking down the stairs to leave, and they're like, "Wait a minute, this is the Tower of Illusion." Like they they use some deductive reasoning, and they're That's like, yeah. "This would make let's let's go back and look again." <laughs> and they did. He yeah. actually had two sticky notes with right. a fake password on the first sticky note, exactly. and then the real password was on the sticky note underneath. Right. No. Yeah. So so I mean, and and they so they figured it out on their own without any hints, and and like got to feel super brilliant because of it. And and I, that right. was that was a I don't know. My players really enjoyed uh, all of that. They really enjoyed exploring Yithrin and figuring, and then they got all the pieces of the the riddle and it still took them a while to be like wait a minute so what do we have to do how does the riddle what what does this really mean you know because it doesn't say set a leaf on fire and blow on it in your hand it says produce a a flame right and so far as they know it means i have to make actual i have to cast the spell produce flame right Um, yeah and took some a while and some trial and error and and meanwhile every time they do it there's the one where it's um what if they just don't get one of them I don't know because they did eventually, right? Um, yeah, and 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 I may have allowed some checks to to help them, give them some hints or whatever here and there, gotcha. so they could eventually figure it out. Um, but but the 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 real fun part for me is that one of the things they have to do is compel somebody else to tell them a secret, and right. then and then reveal a secret of their own. Do uh, the wizards have to constantly come up with new secrets every time they were going in the Netherese? No, because this is just a failsafe. It's it almost never comes up. Oh, they had they have some other. This way is in? this is just for the Netherese to keep people who are not intelligent out of their lair. No, no, right? no, because the force field usually isn't even there. The force field only comes up in cases of emergency. Oh, it's only there because it. the because the city crashed. Otherwise, so normally everybody can head in there. Yeah, that's why there's a ball going on in there. You don't have to. That's what I'm saying, though, is that that's what they're trying to like. When their city was flying, they were going where they wanted, and they had their own special codes and handshakes and whatever to get into the right offices in the right parts of town and all that. But now that it crashed, and now that you know, and also remember that when it was crashing and all that, like there was this weird pocket dimension crap going on. You know, the Ariel Arthas was trying to protect everything and like totally messed up, right? (laughs) 
right. part of the thing, right? And so that's also why there's just pure weird stuff. Yeah. But if they figured if your city crashes, we just want to keep the unwashed masses. Right. This is as, out as of, right. My friend, my friend Scipio in chat says this is the password reset email. Right. This right. is the which <laughs> yeah. which which town were you right. born in? What's your yeah. first dog's last it's name a, it's it's click right. on all of the pictures that have a motorcycle in it's it it's your third favorite right. book yeah, yeah. well and, 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 and it's actually a, it's a captcha it's the net yeah. captcha. They're, 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 the password reset is actually in Ariel Arthas' study like if you study his notes there's like oh and here's the word if you're in this study and you say this word <laughs> it just shuts down the force force field completely and then you yeah. don't have to keep going through it you know now the only the the thing about Yithrin and and bear in mind because I wasn't. I want to. I want to tell you about my conclusion for the game that I'm ending toward two. But go ahead. Okay. Yeah. The the you know I didn't run the the actual campaign, so Avarice wasn't there. That wasn't a thing. Uh, Oral wasn't showing up. Wasn't a thing. That that wasn't part of my campaign. They, in my campaign, they fought a giant two headed dragon uh, from the legendary dragons uh, third party product. Um, okay. Uh, that was super a super cool fight. Um, but the thing that drove me crazy about Yithrin, or the thing that I had a hard time sort of reconciling in my head, was why didn't Iriol Arthas just use the staff a long time ago to, to, to in the obelisk? You know, yeah. like I, I like I get now he's he's a demolition, and he's gone crazy and whatever. But there was it took argu- a long time to get there. Yeah, there was arguably a lot of time before that. That even if 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 he's a demolition, <laughs> doesn't have hands. He's got minions. He could have forced one of them to do it. Like when yeah, and you tell me like dem- uh, demolich is 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 hindered by the fact that it doesn't have hands. Right. Like it's a demolich. <laughs> right. So yeah. So that that was that's the bigger <laughs> issue to me is that none of this should even exist because the big bad should have just fixed it himself a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in mine, I replaced the demi lich with probably what is going to end up being an actual lich or maybe some kind of custom lich kind of thing. Okay. But I've been, I've been hinting. So I've, I've thrown this whole aspect of Thrun in my campaign since pretty early on. Right. right. Mostly because I love the standing stones of Thrun outside of Dugan's hall. I, I grew that. I ended up using a, uh, an elder evil from the book, elder evils by Rob Schwab, a, a D and D 3.5 book. There's an elder evil in there called father, father Lymic. And I, I didn't like the name Father Lymic as the Elder Evil, but I was like, you know what? Father Lymic sounds really good at, uh, like a caller, right? Like a creature that is the the herald for Thrun. For Thrun. So I have, I've had this like weird old elf show up a lot of times. He's got sharpened teeth, like teeth he mm-hmm. filed down into points and he's just creepy looking and he's been showing up for months and that's Father Lymic and Father right. Lymic is a lich-like being that is down there who is hoping that the characters are going to come there to release Thrun from the sarcophagus and create a whole new pro- you know, sure. set of catastroph- catastrophic problems. So I th- I'm going to, I'm definitely going to have father Lymic in, in a sort of con- concluding battle. Mm-hmm. The other thing is I, I, I realize, you know, I realize Sam is absolutely right that running. That's true. Uh, Yes. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't hear that. Can you say that? Sorry, again? Were you muted? I, there, there yes, a... you were muted for a second. Yeah. You were absolutely right about one thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you can't change it now. You, uh, you know, Sam has access to the audio recording. He can just yeah, take like, the Sam was. Yeah. That, gonna, that's that's going to be. Fine. That's going to be his new ringtone. It's going to be ringtone <laughs> on his phone. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> He, uh, that running each individual, well, so yeah, I'm not going to qualify too much, but, um, <laughs> running each individual form of oral one at a time, isn't 
Oral, right? Oral is really a three-phase mythic monster that just happens to have three stat blocks, right? And it, it took me, like, running, running them to understand this. I still think all three stat blocks are completely dorked, right? And all three <laughs> need work. But I get that, like, that's the intent of how they're intended to be run, right? And I didn't run that way. Instead, I placed different versions of Oral in different places. My characters have now faced all three, but they faced them all independently. And mm-hmm. I said, like, wouldn't it be interesting if, like, Oral was hoping to, uh, to, to reach Yethrin herself, but she's got a problem. As a god, she can't see Elder Evils because Elder Evils aren't from this multiverse at all, mm. right? They're from a whole other place. But she knows he's there. She knows it's there. And she knows the power that's there. But she needs to, like, get there. And all of her forms were defeated, at this point by the characters, but, and maybe she was hoping to like channel herself into one of the characters, but instead she has channeled herself into avarice. And now avarice is an avatar of oral. Mm-hmm. So avarice is down there. She's got a bunch of these old crusty knights of the black sword that are going with her to get down there and release and release Thrun as well. Or at least she avarice is under the impression she's going to be able to channel Thrun's power, but she's not going to right? everyone knows that when the characters face avarice, they'll fight, they'll face her, they'll fight her, they'll kill her. And when they kill her, that's when the full three-phase version of Oral shows up, right? Who was, who was being carried by Avarice down into Yethrin. So now they have a big battle with Avarice. That gets immediately thrown into a big battle against the three forms of Oral. So, and then so, when they so get you into basically Zodas, turned it into you basically turned it into the four forms of Oral. Because there's, yeah, an, av- right, there's an Avarice forms. form at the beginning. <laughs> Avarice and then the three forms, yeah. And boy, if that doesn't put like ninth-level characters on the ringer, I don't know what will, right? Especially with ice darts that do three points of cold damage from a god. So, you know, yeah, we got to tweak some of that stuff. But I, you know, so I, but I like the idea. And then I don't know, I don't even really know what I'm going to do with Thrun. Like, it's one of these where in my world, Thrun doesn't show up and like, hey, Thrun is a level a CR 13 monster. It's like, no, Thrun's level 30, right? Like, Thrun, if, if Thrun gets free of the sarcophagus, you know, you're all going to die. Well, right? like, one, be really one, one could question is, is Thrun even fightable, right? Uh, you know, in my campaign. I would, I, I, no, I like things to be fightable. Right. Even but if it's going to So just in my things. campaign, the big bads at the end of, of the, the whole campaign arc were the dark powers uh, of, of Ravenloft, right? Right. Those are not fightable bad guys. Um, yeah. So I, and, and I'll talk about it when I get to mine, but I had an alternative. There was a big fights. But you're not fighting the actual dark powers; they're not fightable. Yeah. So, in in uh, I'm trying to remember what it was. It's it's what's the name of the um, super powerful um, slod, the the king of slods. There's a slod king. I believe you. Yeah, I don't know offhand. Damn, and it's a it's a monster from um, uh, it's a monster from Morden Canaan's. I'm trying to find it. Uh, here it is. Uh, no, damn it. Somebody, somebody, somebody in chat will know. But there is a stat block in Morden Canaan's of a of like the Slod King, and I've used this stat block a couple of times for the yeah you're not supposed to fight this guy, <laughs> you know, because it is just brutal. It was the main villain in my Eberron campaign too, and like I think it was out there for two rounds, and people were just r- running away. You know, they were. 
it was it was really bad. So I, I think I would certainly pull that stat block up again. I'm trying to find it here. Yeah, so there's a really powerful slot lord. Um, and it's and it's a great stat block, and I would definitely use that stat block if it got free. But it is like a CR twenty six stat block that mm-hmm. hits hits like a CR twenty six stat block auto hit, right? And uh, I think that that would be a fun thing if it gets free. And then they have this opportunity of like, well, do we go back? You know, uh, your goal. Thank you. Somebody did find it. Yay! Thank you, Dark Plane DM. I I, I want to figure out how to put in the whole time travel aspect, mm-hmm. right? Um, I did. I, all of the craziness of Yithrin, the, yeah. the the time travel thing, the 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 pull a comet out of orbit and slam it into the Earth, the summon Tarask scroll, uh, all of that. Um, my players have access had access to all of it, uh, and in every case they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is awesome!" And then we ended the campaign, and they never used any of it. So. Yeah. Well, so the, the the problem that I'm running into is I want to. I don't know exactly how to put in the option that time travel is a thing. And I also don't want to force it. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. want the players because like, they've been. We've been playing for a year, right? We, we, we've been playing with these characters. It, it is very conceivable that the players have directions that they want these characters to go after the campaign is done. Like they want to, you know, they have stories in their mind about what's going to happen with their character. And all of that is, all that agency is removed if I'm like, and then suddenly you find yourself two thousand years ago in Icewind Dale back when oh, it was I, I allowed my players to, I don't know, through Arcana checks or whatever, at least know what it would do if, the, if they right. use the obelisk. So I want to I try to, I'm, I'm trying to figure out this like weird combination of events where A, the option is there, B, there's a good reason to do it, but C, you're okay if you don't do that option. Right. Right? Like, and, and along the lines of like a villain that they really hated escapes back in time. They could just say, you know well, what, forget it. My, We're my not going pl- back. My players or, re- I really got to go hunt them. Yeah, my players really seriously considered it because um, because they're like, well, six months ago we released all these horrible dark powers that have been in prison for thousands of years. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. Go, but if we go, go back in time, we can not right. make that not be a thing, right? So they really thought about it, but yeah, and that's what I want, right? I want like a good reason to do it, but nobody will be. Like they won't feel like they made the wrong choice if they don't do it. Well, and and at the same time, I was also uh, out of character. I was very clear with them. Like this is absolutely an option that you can take if that's the way yeah, the debate right. goes and whatever. But I yeah. want to make it clear to you: if you do that, then we go into the epilogue and the campaign is over. You tell me how you played out the rest. Yes, yeah, minus <laughs> minus it's over. Mine is over either way, right? Like. I want to do like the one year later and some people would be, I expect some characters would say one year later, here's what I did in current present time. And then like one year later, right. where were they back in time? You know, 2000 years, you know, a hundred years before Dale reckoning. Right? right. And, and I think that would be fun. So I'm still noodling through exactly how to, you know, I don't want to contrive that situation. Mm-hmm. Right. But I want to put that in and, and I want to be careful. I don't want to pull a getting a game of Thrones and change the whole campaign on them in the last episode and screw everything up. Right. I right. want them to have agency in the very last choice that they make in this game to let their character go the, where they want. So it's, it's tricky. It's, it's a, it's a tricky place to be, mm-hmm. but I think what, what I'm most happy about is like, I'm really close to being done with this campaign <laughs> and, and, and I can't wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, that is uh, that is the end of minute thirty of Mike's fifteen minutes to talk. So, <laughs> uh, I will remind people if you want to support the show, we have a Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Tome Show. Uh, you can head over there, uh, support us, help me pay the bills that make the show possible, uh, and, and you know, hang out with the cool people that that are over there and, and our patrons for us. Uh, Sam, 
Tell us about all the gaming you've done in the last two months. But I think that we met right before we recorded last time. And, but I feel like we've met since then. So maybe we did meet one time. But I'm pretty sure that I told this podcast about – and the podcast listeners about how my PCs, how the party s- snuck into Grimskull and met the walrus skating around on a skating rink, right? I, to- I told everybody about that. Yeah, my so, group, my so group it, loved that. Yeah, it it Both must it must that. be that I that I talked about that here. So, so and I, when I do the editing, if I didn't, I'm going to go back and go, oh crap, and then I'll talk about it next time. So, <laughs> uh, but what I have done is I I played with my teenage players. I'm I'm running them through the old village of Hamlet and the moat house in fifth edition. Uh, in in fifth edition, yeah. Um, and there's only two of them, and then they have a couple of like companion characters. So, so they're a higher level. They're not first level. They're like fourth or fifth level or something by now. Um, and they're going through Hamlet, and that's a huge amount of fun um, because uh, they are teenagers, and they are um, not the quickest at making decisions and they keep arguing with each other. And, uh, and and it's really hilarious because as they're arguing, they go in circles and one of them will hit on like a really great plan. And then the other one will tell him what a bad idea it is. And then they argue about it and then they resolve that argument and then they do the thing and it barely works. And then, and it's just, it reminds me of when I was a teenager playing because that's exactly how they're acting. Uh, and I have to reel them back in and, and, you know, and they'll say things and then I have to do the whole, mm-hmm. is your character saying that? Like, are you saying that in, you're saying that to the priest that's healing you? Like what, you know, and that sort of thing. And it, and it's, it's just a ton of fun. Um, it's a huge ton of fun. Um, but so I am almost also done with my rhyme game. Uh, I've probably got five sessions left. Knowing my group, there's probably about five sessions left, and uh, and and we're going to get that started back up, and we're going to we're going to get back to our every two week schedule um, here next week, and then so so that so that'll go. So I've got about five sessions of that left, which means in the new year, like at the end of January, I'll be starting a new campaign, and so I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to run, hmm. and. Uh, I think I so I've got several options, of course. Who doesn't, right? But um, I'm I might go away from D and D for a while, and I might run a little bit of Call of Cthulhu and uh, and run Masks of Nyarlath, Nyarlathotep, however you pronounce that. Um, because uh, that's I, I'm sure I'm sure according to Lovecraft, it is unpronounceable. It's an unperceivable color, I believe. Yeah. I, I wrote I wrote a stat block for Nearlothotep for thirteenth yeah. age many years yeah. ago. Yeah. And the only thing I remember is how to pronounce Nearlothotep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the I one mean, thing I got from my work there. Yeah. It, it it is one of those unpronounceable the only thing the only reason it has letters is because humans had to put letters to a name so we could make some sort of weird sound when we said it. Um but yeah, so so that's kind of a bucket list thing. It's a huge campaign, uh, but I, I might decide to run that. So that would be like next year. That would be next year's campaign, mm-hmm. and then I would sprinkle probably one shots of fantasy because it's. I'm not sure I can go away from running fantasy RPG 
that much, but I probably if when I when I run something fantasy next, it probably won't be fifth edition. It'll probably be Castles and Crusades. Um, just well, because. It's, well, if you're looking you're, for votes, I would love to hear you in on this podcast talk about running something like Empire of the Ghouls because uh, I don't hear enough about that campaign. I want you to run it. So that's my vote. <laughs> Richard Green, who wrote it, mm-hmm. I think, would be a yeah. great guy to have on your show to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Why is it? Why did? Why do you want me to run that campaign specifically? Because I'm interested in knowing more about it. Uh, it's it's sort of a and, – and I never have time to do it. Um, Why don't so you run it yourself? I, I want to live vicariously through right. you. Um, and I, I mean it also, it also like – I don't know. As I understand it from some, some of the Kobold folks who have told me, it does a nice job of introducing the Kobold Press Midgard setting uh, in, mm-hmm. in various locations and different types of stories. Mm-hmm. So right. I don't know. It's it's captured my interest, and yet I've never had a chance to, to play it, so I want you to run it so I can live vicariously. <laughs> the problem to defend Sam is like, hey, look, it's a giant underground city filled with undead yeah. things. It's totally different than things you've just been running. Uh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like, you know, uh, so so here's here's my response to you. I, <laughs> I, I have it, and I've looked through it, right? And, um, and, and I and it does seem like a really good campaign. And I know the Empire of the Ghouls is an area in Midgard that that Wolfgang Bauer has had, you know, in development for many years. It's not new. It's I mean, I mean, the adventure for Fifth Edition is new, but but the idea of it and the way that he conceives of everything. But here's the problem: is I'm not an expert on Midgard. No, and neither so, am I. That's why I want you to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it starts. It's it's just it no, starts but, the but, city of Zobek and makes its right, right, come. but. Right, it's but think like about what Jeff said. What Jeff said parts. was that the campaign is really good at highlighting some of the really cool things about Midgard. And my thing is, if I'm going to run it to highlight some of those cool things about Midgard, for me personally, oh. I do need to know more about Midgard. You'll, and you, yeah. and, you and I have very no, different you approaches. You would get it from the adventure. Uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've been saying for years, I really wish these really dense, complex settings – that that various publishers mm-hmm. put out would also come with an adventure that was sort of a travelogue to introduce me to the setting. Mm-hmm. And, and somebody responded to me when I was saying that that in Cobalt Press, Empire of the Ghouls kind of does that. And so that's yeah, I mean, where my it does it for is. it actually does it for like a little slice though. Like right. Midgard yeah. is huge, right? It's right. yeah, it's huge. not a it's not a I mean no. if I personally but it does cover if I, like Zobek and Right. Personally though, if I was gonna run in Midgard, I'd probably do Southlands. Right, yeah. because they have a nice set of adventures for that, and and Perbestet is really cool, like desert. And, and as I recall, Brandis, Brandis worked on it, so it's got to be awesome. Right? Yeah, I don't know, but I'm just <laughs> saying, I'm just saying, like that. That's what if I was going to do Midgard, that's probably what I would do. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I I'm I don't want to, right? I don't I don't want to have that as a huge. Um, and yeah, Sam, just you so know. you recognize, Jeff doesn't get to dictate what campaign you're playing. No. Oh no, I. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm just saying I, I am actually willing to take suggestions, though. It's just, you know, and the thing is, like, I have Empire of the Ghouls. Uh, it's around here somewhere. But I, the part of the reason that I sort of set it on the shelf and didn't read a lot of it was that I went through all of Mike's. Grindel root stuff, which yeah, is right. another underground <laughs> and everything <laughs> <Thank> is, <you. laughs> everything's in the mountain. Right. And so right. like for me, I didn't want to go totally underground yeah. again. 
you know, and that's actually why my teenagers are running through the moat house in Hamlet because I needed to have something wilderness based where I can move them around and do different things and stay, you know, relatively uh, upland. You know? I've seen this guy, Scarlet Citadel, also by Cobo Press. Yeah, I, I have. It's seen also it. underground. It's a big dungeon. Yeah. Um, but that is another. Both Empire of the Ghouls and Scarlet Citadel are two that are on my wish list. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm probably running beyond. I'm probably running Witchlight uh, for my Wednesday game when we're done with Frost Maiden. Yeah, you have two games. I just I need, they, I, I need You have two games. They could do different adventures. They are. So oh. sorry. I know it's. I know Sam. But uh, real quickly, <laughs> my my Sunday group is going to be switching over to do a little bit of Blades in the Dark and a little bit oh. of Numenera. Nice. So, and then we'll probably do something else. And I don't know if there'll be another Watsi adventure by then, or if yeah. we're going to do, if they want to do Witchlight, we might I mean, do Witchlight. There's or another Watsi adventure on Tuesday, so there will be. Is there? Strixhaven. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. It has, it no, has, so it has I, a see, full so I, I know you're right. That is yeah. not what I plan on running. I, my my thing is I'm 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 done with five E for right now. Like I need I need to step away from five E, right. um, and uh, and and so I'm going to run some other things and and probably Call of Cthulhu's in there. I also got the the new release of um of uh, Twilight Two Thousand, so I'll probably run some one shots of that. Just do some little missions, um, run some other things. I mean I've got like you know shelves of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, there's plenty good, to I run. Think it's a good time to to right to run small campaigns of a few systems, and I'm hoping my my, <laughs> my Sunday group specifically asked me to do that. So it, it is it is weird that all three of us are literally doing that simultaneously. I wonder if sometimes things are like in a phase like this. Maybe well, we'll see I mean, we just happened too. to finish a two plus year campaign, so it was time for a palate yeah. cleanser. So yeah, right. Yeah, I just, I, I, I mean, for me, I'm just, I just, uh, this is how I usually, I, I normally don't run published stuff, right? So right. for me, even if I'm running, um, <laughs> that is not what I said. So in the chat, <laughs> Christopher Scratch said, you re- you heard it here first. Rhyme of the Frost Maiden was so bad it made Sam abandon 5e. That's not true. In fact, the only reason I'm still playing 5e is because my players, my players wanted me to run Rhyme. Otherwise, I would have left Five E at the end of my campaign before the end of Rhyme. So, because well, I've heard you, here first, and you have yeah, a, Sam you, was forced to run Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Yeah, you you have a, a diverse library of games, and you've never been yeah. a I'm just going to run D and D most of the right. time kind of per- player right. anyway. That's right. So, that's right. Yeah. So, and Five E is an extremely long lived D and D edition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I mean, the same thing happened to me in 4E. I ran a big old long 4E campaign and I run several one shots and I did all kinds of stuff there. And when 4E was over, I was pretty much ready to be done with 4E. And I was kind of ready to be done with 5E a couple years ago. But, you know, mm-hmm. but if, if a group of players that I really, really like playing with come to me and say, hey, it's me and so and so and so and so and so and so and we want you to run this game because we think you would run it really well because it's this weird like isolation horror thing i can't say no to that right like i because I, I had an opening so i couldn't say no to that and that's why i'm running rhyme and i actually i you know contrary to what you know whatever the i do like says- rhyme. i've been the person who's saying rhyme is better than is better than mike's experience of it right and it's okay that Mike doesn't have a good experience of it, but I think a lot of the reason why Mike is having a bad experience with it is it's just not his style of setup. 
It just so, isn't. So what I'm hearing it, is it Sam's a better DM than Mike, and that's why Rhyme is good for when no, Sam No, I didn't say anything about <laughs> I just said it's about preference. It's the same thing. Mike like, doesn't like it, he, and he's wrong. No, think about it. Look, when he finds those those lame puzzles in Yithrin to be really ridiculous, and they sort of break his idea of what his D&D game is supposed mm-hmm. to be. Whereas I look at that, and I'm like, that's part of D&D as a game. It's a mm-hmm. style thing, right? Like... I enjoy a lot of the gamey parts of D&D. That's why I still love basic D&D. I still love the older editions of D&D because it's very, very gamey and much less story. And it's not that I it's not that I don't like story and it's not that I don't think should make sense. But some things I'm just like, (laughs) it's fine to be that way. But if we acknowledge if we acknowledge that, then we don't get to play the game of putting things in Sam's mouth all night. Yeah, whatever. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's okay. We're, we're just going to blame it on Christopher Scratch. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I think that's right. clearly his cause, the cause of all of our woes. Yes. Yeah. But no, seriously, though, I mean, I, and here's the thing, right? You know, I will never, ever say that somebody's playing the game wrong or somebody's playing the game poorly or somebody's a horrible DM. I, I'm, I'm never going to say that about anybody, right? Because if you're having fun and if your group is having fun, then you're kicking and you're doing the right thing and, and you're and you're playing sure. right, right? But I but I am also one that will tell you firsthand, look, if there's a million players of D and D, there are thousands of different styles of D and D, and some of those are not gonna oh, yeah. mesh up with some of those players and some of those DMs. And so sometimes there's something published that just doesn't fit. And that's it. Yeah. That's just the pure the pureness of it, right? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, and, and so next you're doing, so you're going to have the teenage game going for a while then. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, they're just kind of going on and on, and I think uh, I think after Hamlet, they're probably going to end up on a ship going over to the Isle of Dread, maybe. So you're, not, so you're not abandoning 5e, you're just parring it down to just them for a while. Yeah, I mean, they're o- only because uh, they only have access to 5th edition D&D, so... Sure. That's all I can play with them. Um, and then with your other group, you're going to do some Call of Cthulhu and then jump around to play all the other games on your shelf that have been lonely. Yeah, pretty much. Which is basically yeah. what I'm planning on doing for the next right. year uh, with my mm-hmm. group. I like I've got the the Avernus like Beetle and Grim Platinum Edition. Mm-hmm. I, we're absolutely playing that campaign coming up very soon. Yeah. But we just finished a two-year campaign, right? Uh, and and right. actually, my Witchlight Platinum Edition is supposed to arrive sometime this month. So, so mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, um, I got things going on, and, yeah. and it's D and D. But yeah, sometimes you got a lot of things on the shelf, and you haven't played them, and and you want to, yeah. you want to experience those. Well, and that, and like I, you know, I have this that I have some bucket list campaigns that I would really like to, and that and that's what Masks of of near Lothotep or one of those. And then also the, um, the enemy within campaign for Warhammer fantasy RPG. That's one of those. And they just released like the director's cut of that for the fourth edition Warhammer, uh, edition, which apparently is really good. Cause it kind of goes back to the roots, right. Which is good. Cause I'm more kind of old school. Um, and so that's just two. And those two things right there will take a couple years each probably. So, you know, and then I, and then, like you said, I've got, I've got a ton of stuff. I'd also, I'm putting together a desert campaign for a fantasy setting at some point it will be a longer campaign, but that's more in my homebrew world. So it's kind of taking mm. pieces of this and pieces of that. And we're seeing what's going to happen. Um, after the water, rec- after the water recedes from the sinking, that turns into a desert. Is that what you're saying? 
No, it's a different timeline. <laughs> oh, okay. right? so, and I don't know. Maybe it depends, right? I, I suppose that could that could actually, yeah, that, that could happen. I, I, I've been trying to. I've been catching up a little bit on D and D briefs. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, actually. So after the end of that, that's funny. That could actually be because of something that happens when they go to to deal with the Ark of Woe. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so I've got a lot of gaming going on. It's just that I'm right in that period where I'm sort of finishing up one thing and prepping another and I don't have as many active games at the moment. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hold on. You know, I also have people saying that uh, that I should run Curse of Strahd, you know, but uh, like people uh, asking my you favorite to adventure. So? Uh, people just uh, not players, not my players specifically asking mm-hmm. me, but just other people saying, "Hey, you know, it's such a good campaign. You should run it." And you know, it is a good campaign, and I know it's a good campaign, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. No, nope. we'll see. Alrighty. So, yeah. Well, let's keep it a little closer to fifteen minutes then, since <laughs> since Mike took up an a half an hour. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I do want to remind people, if you want to uh, interact with the show, you can do it on Twitch, like some of us are doing right now, uh, as we talk about Christopher Scratch and how he's torn uh, torn the whole the whole show apart. Um, but you can also find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter as at The Tome Show, and we have a Discord channel as well. Uh, you can find the link to that, actually, in the Twitter profile, or, you know, email thetomeshow at gmail.com, or go to any of those other places and ask about it, and, and we'll post the link for you, so... All right. Uh, it is my turn. Uh, so I finished a two-plus-year campaign uh, a couple weeks ago. So that's what I've been doing since last we, we chatted. Um, we we actually, because of life, didn't play very much for a long time. Like we were really – our plan was really to, to focus in and be like, okay – some folks are going on vacation at the beginning of the fall. Let's let's hold off on on playing until they get back, and then uh, and then we'll just we'll just run straight through and finish the campaign. And then you know life happened here and life happened there, and we missed a campaign a session here and there. And pretty soon it was like oh my gosh, like we just never we just haven't played in a month. Like we got to the end, we finished Yithrin, and then it was like a month again before we played again, <laughs> played the the last session. Um, but the the overarching theme of the campaign was uh, you know this is the campaign we started as uh, um dragon heist uh and then it went into curse of strahd and then um i decided the ending of curse of strahd is not a satisfactory ending of a campaign because it just sort of sets everything back to the way it was you didn't really accomplish anything um so i changed the story so that the whole reason that Ravenloft and Barovia uh, were created and, and sequestered away into the mist was because a long time ago, the gods of Faerun wanted to lock away these dark powers who came from beyond the stars and were threatening to to overrun the gods themselves, right? And so they locked them up in the Amber Sarcophagi and stuck them in Barovia. And now they're not a threat because even if they get loose, they're not here. They're they're off in stuck in the mist, right? Uh, except one of them escaped. Because in in the Amber Temple, one of the sarcophagi is broken, uh, and I worked the timing the timeline out as such that the one who escaped was uh, a dark power I made up called Halather, which is actually like the ancient name of Halaster Blackcloak, 
and so Halaster is the champion of Halather, and and he that's you know the source of his early power and whatever. And so when they defeated Strahd and Barovia came back, Halaster's like, okay, this is the first time this, it's come back since I was released. Uh, or since Halathor was released, now I have to fulfill my end of the bargain and go and release all the other dark powers. And so they've been running all over the world, uh, defeating various champions and learning about how they could draw all of the dark powers back to the Amber Temple and seal them back up in the in the Amber. And that was the big final encounter. We went back to the Amber Temple, um, and they had to to conduct a ritual. But in doing in conducting the ritual, you draw all of the power of the dark powers into the Amber. Temple, which also means any existing champions that are still alive get drawn in. And so it was like, I don't know, six, six or seven, I think it was like six, five or six uh, big bads, somewhere between CR 17 and 30. Uh, mm. All at one time, right? Uh, and Halister as well. But Halister is like, you know, I don't actually want the dark powers to win. I would just as soon get rid of this dark power that's been forcing me to do things. And so he puts up a globe of invulnerability and just sits in the corner and watches and hopes, <laughs> and hopes the PCs win. Right. And I used, uh, I tried to pull every like NPC that they've known and kind of loved and, and had were, were out there somewhere in the world. Like all of them were, were champions. Right. Um, um, Lord never Ember, who they never actually met but had been hinted at a bunch, came back as as uh, the, one of the dark powers is known as the Kingmaker. I forget the his actual name, right? So, of course, that's Lord Never Ember's champion, right? Uh, and in the Tomb of Annihilation, they got the – there's a slot that you can find the control crystal and then you can actually find the slot. And they found it in that order and it was, were ordering him around all over all over Tomb of Annihilation with him, uh, the Tomb of the Nine Gods. Um, and they, they even – like. They asked him, well, what's your name? You have to tell us. We have the control crystal. What's your name? And he's like, well, it's not pronounceable in, in mortal tongues and whatever. I said, okay, fine. Your name is Steve. <laughs> you know, And he just sort of made a grumpy face. Yeah, and you're mad about it. So his, his name became Steve and mad about it. Uh, and, and so Steve and Matt about it was, was one of the champions of the dark powers and, uh, a former player's PC that had gone off with, uh, uh, Baba Yaga at one point, uh, came back as another, um, uh, champion of a dark power. And, and, you know, so it was all these different things. And then the, the real bit, like, and I expected like, that's a lot of, really powerful creatures for them to be fighting. And, and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going all out on them but but it's a it, that's going to be an impossible fight right so, but i figured all the sarcophagi are there all they need to do any one of them can go over touch a sarcophagus uh and use an action and draw that dark power back into the sarcophagus including uh the power that's that's creating the, each champion right so i figured that's what they'll do some of them will hold hold off the creatures while the others run around and seal them in uh, no, no, of course, uh, this is D&D. So their answer was, there's bad guys to fight. We're going to kill them, <laughs> right? They just went straight for the, we're just going to fight all of these Dark Powers uh, champions at the same time. Uh, and for the most part, they did okay. And that's part of why I didn't, I mean, I find that you get to decently high level characters and these were 17. Uh, by the time you get to 17, you can, I don't know, I find that you can kind of throw literally anything you want at them and, and they'll figure it out, right? Um, and, and they were doing pretty all right, but but one of the 
champions that I, I used was from the Green Ronin uh, Book of Fiends. It was the it's an Ar- the Armageddon Beast, uh, which is a CR thirty like total badass creature, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> and 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 it was and I changed that and I, I reskinned it a little bit so it didn't have all the the heads and whatever, but it can still do all the various breath weapons and and what have you. It just wasn't doing two or three breath weapons per round. Um, and it that that gave them a hard time. Like when you start throwing breath weapons at them that don't do standard breath weapon things, like here's just a bunch of damage. Instead, it was like here's a breath weapon. Everybody make a save. Oh, the two of you are turning to, slowly turning to stone. Wait, what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's not how breath weapons work, right? Um, so so yeah. So um, what, what book did you say that was in? Book of Fiends. Oh yeah yeah from right. Green Ronin. The Goodman Games one. Yeah. No Green Ronin. Green Ronin. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so I, I pulled monsters from there. I pulled monsters from, um, legendary dragons and I might've used one or two actual Watsi published stat blocks. Although one of them I think is a Ravnica uh, stat block, which as we've pointed out, um, you know, is not balanced for normal D and D. Uh, so I just took, yeah, a but bo- for, for monsters are free from anywhere. Like, well, I yeah. yeah. Why, I mean, why limit? Why limit where you pull a monster from? Well, well, and and but but I would argue that the the balance is similarly an issue in the Ravnica monsters and some of the other monsters. But as you've pointed out many times, that's because the standard monsters are underpowered. <laughs> so well, it's the high level yeah, ones. And balance is all over the place within right. Watsi publications. Right. So, so it doesn't matter that it's all over the place outside of Watsi. Like, right. Yeah. And you're only running it once. So. Right. Yeah. So so yeah, and and that's exactly right. I, I was only running it once, uh, and 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 the whole thing like they eventually defeated it. They they sealed all the dark powers away in the sarcophagi, uh, um, and and my my epic conclusion was okay. You sealed them all off, and and as you do, you notice that the the fog from outside of the Amber Temple because it's it, you know in, in the setting it appeared out in the middle of the ocean, right? So the fog from the ocean is sort of rolling in, and you see the silhouette of your old enemy Strahd standing up in the balcony, and he has this sort of hateful smile on his face, and then the entire temple fades uh, fades away, and Barovia returns to the mist, and you you know land plop in the middle of the ocean, uh, and that was sort of and then and then I did the uh, the an epilogue where it was like okay, so I'm gonna check in with everybody, and I'm gonna I want each of you my my sort of conclusion to the whole thing when it was over was I want each of you to tell me what is your character doing we're going to do little vignettes uh it was one week one month and one year after right so one week later you're still sort of recovering what are you doing what are you setting up whatever and my favorite thing of the whole of that whole bit was that warlock sorcerer character um, really, like one of the things the character meant, the, not the character, the player had mentioned that he would really like to do at some point before the campaign was out was get access to a wish spell. He wanted, he just, he's never had a chance to use a wish before. He wanted the chance to, to play around with wish. They actually got a wish scroll, and then one of the other players took it and wouldn't give it to him, <laughs> right? So he sort of set up his his three vignettes as you know he went off wandering, he continued to adventure, and one year later he's actually got access to to being high enough level that he can cast wish on his own, and he does, and he casts wish for the player who wouldn't give him the scroll of wish, to because she's a tiefling who was previously in service to to Dispater. 
and so he used his wish spell to secure her soul uh, for herself so that Dispater could no longer lay claim to it This in this selfless act and, and then rolled the percentile dice and can never cast wish again. So he used his one ever casting of wish to help the one person who wouldn't let him have the wish. <laughs> Wow. So that that was really sweet, uh, and ever yeah. So so it all kind of ended. It ended happily ever after, um, and it was really it was really fun. I, I really enjoyed um, the way that con- campaign concluded. Even the only downside to it was that it was like a, a month between the penultimate session and the and the last session. So, um, which is too long, right? Uh, and then last Friday, Black Friday, we we have this um, not when when pandemics allow, we have a, a tradition of getting together and a little bit early, pl- getting a few extra hours of of play in. And in this case, since it was after a campaign, it was like let's just play card games and board games and and do some character generation for the next thing. Because um, as I mentioned during Sam's time, I'm about to go into what I estimate will be about a year of let's just play some other stuff for a while. Let's let's. Do some, you know. I, I'm always, I always love Torg. Let's do some Torg Eternity. Let's do some uh, Fantasy Age. Is a system that we played a little bit with that I think they might want to get back into. Um, I've been toying with the uh, Sentinel Comics RPG. The 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 Kickstarter, the PDF of the 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 starter set for that is free. Um, and you've got the, all the basic rules and like six adventures uh, and characters. And I'm like, that sounds cool. Let's do some, let's do some superhero stuff. Um, you know, I've got, I, I picked up the, the, uh, the, the quick start for the Dune RPG on free RPG day. So we might play a little bit with that, even though I don't really like Dune. Um, you know, so there's all kinds of stuff that, we, and I, I picked up the, the, the revised Star Wars Saga Edition uh, at, used at the local uh, game store, you know. So we might do some Star Wars. I don't know. I've got a bunch of things, uh, and I've got some of the players want to run some things too. So I think I estimate we'll spend about a year just running random things, and then come back to finally running the Avernus campaign that we've been talking about for a year. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So that's that's where we're at. I did have. One sort of insight I've noticed now because we ran a, a quick one-shot fantasy age game, and now we've done character generation, most of the character generation for Torg campaign, uh, and I'm coming to the conclusion that character creation for complex systems, unless it's D and D, because everybody knows the game and has access to D and D Beyond, can do it at home. Um, character creation kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> right? Uh, fantasy ages are super sleek system, and and I've made five characters simultaneously with seventh graders before, and and we had characters done in, in forty five minutes, right? Um, um, you know, Torg is, has is relatively complex. I'll make characters with my kids, and and they've played it several times, so they know what they're doing, and it might still take us like an hour to make a character, whatever. You know, that's fine, um, but it's fun, and they're digging in, they're creating this these ideas, whatever. I tried to walk four people simultaneously through it. Okay, everybody do your attributes. Everybody do this. Everybody do that. And it, I don't know, after about an hour and a half, two hours of it, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I'm bored. And they don't, and I know the game and they don't know the game. Like, let's just stop and play card, card games for now. Maybe we'll come back to it, right? Uh, and then I, I mean, and then even when I, the one player who couldn't come, I, I just did it over, dis, did character creation with him over Discord. And I think between the two of us, like, it it was 15 minutes and he's basically got a character. Like, why does character creation with multiple people at the same time suck so bad? I, hmm. I don't understand. I don't know how to fix it. That's my question of the night. 
I I get my one. I, it brings up a thought that I have, which is I think that five E is about as complicated an RPG as I want. Right? Like I don't I don't know that I look for RPGs that are crunchier or or none have of, none of those games are crunchier than five E. <laughs> and yet they're well. I mean. But it's a new it system. They they just don't know it. And I've got I've got a min maxer in the in the group uh, who really wants to look yeah, at. If all it the takes you that long to make a character, well, but it's half, kind of a crunchier system, right? Half of no, 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 because because like half of it. One of it. One of the issues is I only have one copy of the book. It's a PDF. On my oh head, yeah, right? right. And 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 the one player who's the power gamer is like, okay, I'm making this psionic character, but I want to read all of the powers. Yeah, sure. I want to go and that would be all the of the gear. Right. You know, you'd have that. You'd have that problem. Like again, Numenera is not as crunchy as Five E, right? But right. yeah, if somebody were making a Numenera character, I'm I'm, I'm going to be doing this, right? But right. what I'm going to do is I'm going to go buy a player's guide for everybody, right. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to send it to them ahead of time and say. Read, yeah. <laughs> right, I, and then we'll, I, I wish we'll that I wish that was a product that that Ulysses Spiel put out for for Torque Eternity of just here's a uh, a short fifty page like character creation thing, but right. so far as I know, it doesn't exist. So yeah, I think I think right. So I think like Numenera has like a level one guide. Okay, but I know they've got I know they got player guides, and I'm pretty sure they're cheap. And, and I think and, I've, I've and yet again five. again Fantasy Age is like I've done it with. Although right. you know, you know what I did that I didn't do with with the adults with the kids when I ran Fantasy Age, I photocopied big sections of the character creation pages and just sort of handed it to them and said, "Here, you know, work right. on this." Uh, and then I, you know, handed a different. The other one to another the other way is is like you know treating them like the um, what do they call the 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 playbooks in Dungeon World, where like. You, you have essentially, oh, you want to play this. I mean, if it's a class-based system, if it's not a class-based system, you you know, you got to group them somehow. Right. But essentially, you have pre-gen character sheets designed around the, the bulk, and then they can fill in some details. But all, but what they, you know, they're, they're still, it's, it's, it's like customizing a pre-gen more than it is like making a new character. I, I don't think, I don't think I could convince my players to be on board with pre-gens. <laughs> well, see, <laughs> that's that, that the thing is what, no, no. So what what you need to do is if you're going to run a really long campaign of some other game, like, and when I say really long, I mean more than six sessions. Right. Okay, if you're going to run more than six sessions and more than three levels of like advancement for a game, the, the thing to do is to take the first session and spend half of it and just hand them pregens and run them through a two hour game. Mm-hmm. Right. Just hand them pregens and run them through a two hour game. That way they learn the system. They learn, you know, what the attributes are used for. They learn what the feats are for. They learn what special abilities mean. They yeah. learn how things work together. And then you say, OK, now we're going to run a campaign. Here's the story. Now let's make characters for this. Right. And then no. you don't have to explain to them everything. They, right? they, they've played a one shot of, of Torque Eternity once already with pregens. <laughs> so. So they 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 know a little bit of it, but but they when you're handed yeah. pregens and you and now you're making your own character and you get to pick all your own powers and whatever and and mm-hmm. that's the thing that Tor, you know Torg is not a super it's not a more crunchy game generally than D and D, gotcha in the way it works. But character creation has a ton of options. Yeah. Um, you know more more so than more so than core D and D. What you do in that case then is you when you invite them over for that first session you stagger it right. So you have player one come at I don't, whatever six p.m. 
And right. then a half hour later, you tell the other, you know, tell the other person, next person to show up a half hour later, right? And you start with the people that you think are going to be pretty easy. And they're going to make really quick characters, right? And then, or you, you know, and then the person at the end who comes two hours in, everybody else has already made their characters. Now they can take a break and eat and talk, and you can help Mr. Right, Minmax. Yeah, yeah, I kind of, I kind of sort of wants to do. I kind of sort of tried to do that actually with this Black Friday game because I basically said, "Hey, we're going to start between two and four. Show up at any point in in, in there." Um, but it turns that's out that's not what I said. No, no, yeah, it, it's not. not it's not what you said. Not at all. No, no, no. But because they're adults and two of them are are, are a married couples, so I'm not going to tell them to come separately and and whatever, right? So I well, no, but you but you can set expectations, right? Okay, we're going right. to have a character creation session, but. I'm going to help schedule, you one at a time. Them. Yeah, an hour each. We're, right. we're not going to be sitting here making characters all at once. So I, I think it's going to work out okay. It was just it was just a bit of a slog on Friday, and, and I, I don't know. i got to do better yeah. next time. And for the min-maxer, just tell them to go buy the book. Well, right. <laughs> right? Like if you, but, you, know, you can min-max and pay 25 but, bucks but, or not. But, <laughs> but tell someone to go buy the book for a game that they haven't really played and they don't know if they like is, is a hard then, sell. Then they, yeah, then, then they need to let go of the min-max in a little bit. Well, right? <laughs> sure. <Yeah. laughs> but, um, yeah, this is this is the, the player who, who doesn't really want to play Gamer World because it's built on the 4th edition uh, rule set. And he's a, until 5e, he was a diehard 3e guy. So. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, I see, my so my advice there would be schedule a different time with him where you can sit on the phone or on zoom or something but and he's the half of the married couple they come together with a kid <laughs> right that's why i said on zoom oh yeah yeah you can sit with him you know one night where you have an hour just to deal with him and you you can be doing other stuff and as he comes across okay how is this power going to work how's that going to work with other things and he and right. then you can be there to help him through that Here. right Here's the thing, though. You're forgetting the entire conversation we had on Tuesday. I can't dedicate an hour to just sit down with him and, and, and make characters. <laughs> so that's not where you, my life is at the moment. You have time to play a game. Yeah, but you, but you, you spent the two hours of your uh, no, no. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm on board. I get you. <laughs> Although now we, Sam froze. Uh oh. Now you just get me. But I agree with Sam. <laughs> you know, like, wait like, are you, you saying you know, twice it, in one episode the same is right yeah but don't tell him when he comes back okay um, make sure he doesn't know um but yeah i mean that sounds like a that sounds like a pretty good idea but like one is like okay if he if people don't know if they like the game pre-gens are a fine way to go sure right like and then if I you mean, decide I mean, you do like the game you, then you say okay now it's actually worth the time if somebody's invested enough to really min max a character they you know or yeah, like you said, like invite him over early and be like, like, you know, right. here's the book. I'm going to go play PlayStation. Yeah, no, <laughs> right. this is all great ideas and great advice for you know us who are of similar mind. That is not necessarily going to. I'm not going to sell that to my play <laughs> to, to these players. Yeah. So that's it's fine. We'll we'll do what we're doing. And I think ultimately what I should have done is is printed some of the the stuff ahead of time and just had little player packets that I made myself. And I think yeah, it's unfortunate that there's not like a like there's not like a player's guide, right? Yeah. Like any well, it seems and, like any game that wants to try to grab you these days needs to have a affordable and, and this week you know, the, the, affordable during, players players this, guide. This last week I started kicking myself cuz I'm like, "Oh man, like I don't want to just I don't know. I don't want to just share PDFs with people cuz I don't know right. what's going to happen oh, it's not, to them, right? Um 
But they do have um, some of the Kickstarter stretch goals that they had were like cards, like spell cards or whatever. I'm like, oh, instead of handing him the book, I should have just sent him the PDF of the spell cards. I, I'm a little less worried about that getting out. And then right. he could have had access to all of the the spell, the psionic powers to, to search through without getting without tying up one of the the books, you know. And so I could have been working with somebody else. There are things I could have done. I think that think would have worked and would have helped, but. Part of the, the issue with Fantasy Age is that I let him use stuff from the the, the companion book, which adds a bunch of new races and, and options or whatever. So mm-hmm. then it's like, well, what, yeah. do I, what do I copy? You know, there's so much. Once you start adding all those options, there's so much to copy. So right. anyway, right. Uh, Sam's power went out. Um, he he, ah, he reached out on the Discord, so his power went out. So we, we're just going to finish the episode without him. All right. Uh, Sorry, so, Sam. Yeah. Uh, I would I would go to the audience uh, on the Twitch and see if they had any things they wanted us to discuss or questions they wanted us to answer. But no, uh, we are already uh, over a, an hour and 12 minutes into this episode and it is time to wrap it because uh, it's almost bedtime for me and I'm exhausted. So there we are. Um, oh, we have one person. No, Elvin no. Wizard King has a quick, a quick question. <laughs> if you make me stay up late, Ismail. <laughs> Bring it. Do you ever worry about your players watching these streams? Nope. Once. Uh, one time I got notification on Twitch that one of my players was on, on the stream. And then I talked to her later and said, yeah, she just she saw it pop up in notifications and didn't mean to hit the button. And it was kind of on in the background on her phone, but she wasn't actually watching. Yeah, um, my, my players hear enough of me anyway. The last thing in the world they want to do is find more. <laughs> I mean, there might be that. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't I don't know. I guess not. But maybe I should. If it ever happens, I'll let you know. I don't know. <laughs> How's that for an answer? Yeah. Mine are, mine are mature enough that they realize it's a spoiler and avoid it. So, so okay. That's the end of the episode. We, we answered one question uh, from Elven Wizard King and nobody else. So that is the end of this episode. I wanted to remind you, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash the Tome Show. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Discord. And you can find Mike. He is at Sly Flourish on Twitter or SlyFlourish.com. Um, although you don't need me to tell you that. He's infinitely more famous than I am. Uh, infinitely. <laughs> infinitely more famous. <laughs> what, that means you're zero, right? And I'm one. <laughs> I mean, if that's what it takes, yeah. That's, I mean, that's the only way we're getting infinite. I mean, I mean, if I was doing this for the fame, I would have stopped a long yeah. time ago. <laughs> I remember when the podcast used to get, you know, 30 downloads, and I was excited about that. So, yeah. In the days before uh, podcasting. Infin- infamously the- more famous is probably more accurate. <laughs> well, no. You are definitely more more well known and beloved than I am on the internet in the D and D community. So, I will I will own that and be okay with it and try not to mention it very often because as we've mentioned already, you have a large head. I have a large head. <laughs> so, all right, that's the end of this episode. And I don't know, I don't I forget how we end things. Say say good night, Mike. Good night, good night, everyone. Thanks for coming. <laughs>